Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Brother Leonard. God bless you. You know the Lord still has a purpose for your life, because if you're listening to this message, then you know God is still going to use you. And sometimes we have to just take time out to say, Lord, thank you, you know, because, man, he didn't have to do it, but he did. And God is just so good and great is his faithfulness. And he continues to be great every single day, as we do all the time. We pray for Ukraine because we want God to move in the midst of that nation. And so, Father, we lift up Ukraine in the name of Jesus as we continue to lift them up to you. Father, give them new strategies as they fight this war. We pray for them. We pray, God, that those casualties would lessen. Lord, that they would begin to be able to protect their people totally where Russia can't kill any of them. We pray for confusion and derision in the Russian camp. We pray they're confused on every hand, that they give up, that they quit, Lord, and we pray that Ukraine will prevail. Continue to bless the Western nations to assist Ukraine, to give them plenty, plenty of ammunition, plenty of weapons, Lord God, to fight this war. And Lord, I pray for their sick, I pray for their wounded, Lord, I pray for those that are in the hospital right now. Help them to mend quickly. We pray over Ukraine that they'll be able to rebuild and, Lord, restore what the enemy has stolen. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Brothers and sisters, I'm excited to know, you know, that as you're growing in the Lord and you're experiencing this new relationship, or maybe you were just, you know, more religious than anything, and you didn't know that God was your father. You know, you heard the term God, you know, God the Father. But you didn't know what that meant because maybe you didn't have a uh, you didn't have some way to relate to that. And, you know, if you didn't come up with a father, you didn't grow up with a father. There's, it's hard to relate to God as a father because you don't know what a father is supposed to do. If you never had a father in your life and then somebody say God is your father, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so you don't have that experience. And so it's hard to relate to God as father when you don't have that experience. And I'm going to tell you that it was hard for me. I grew up without a father, you know. So when we say God the father, that term didn't mean a whole lot to me until I um, end up when I, when my wife and I, we had our children, right? Well, she had them, but our children came along. Then all of a sudden that term began to mean something because God began to use my relationship with them to help me relate to him. You know, so it's all about the relationship. It's about the love that you have for God, the trust that you have for him. You know, because you trust him, because you know him, you know, you know him through his word and you get in the word. And, you know, the people who know their God shall do great exploits. But the people who don't know, you know, the 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 inference is. They won't do anything if you think about it. So knowing God is um, everything, you know, being able to understand. OK, so Jesus Christ, the son, he get, he brings me to God. He brings me into the presence of the Lord, you know, knowing that he made access for me to do that by dying for me. Now, I don't need a priest or somebody to go before me. I know that I can go for myself. So when I need something from God, I can cry out, oh, father. And then I use his son's name in the name of Jesus. And the reason I pray that way is because when I come in the name of Jesus, I'm sure to get an answer because I'm not coming in my name. You know what? I'm not in myself, in and of myself. I'm not righteous. 
What makes me righteous is the blood of Jesus. What makes me righteous is the fact that Jesus took my place. What makes me righteous is that Jesus kept the entire law and he gave me credit for it. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, being in right standing with God, knowing that, you know, a lot of people look at God as he's this big cosmic being and he's ready to strike you down and he's ready to kill you if you get out of line and if you mess up god is going to throw lightning bolts at you that's not the god i serve i don't know who that is god doesn't kill people the bible says there's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in christ jesus who walk after the spirit and don't fulfill the lust of the flesh so guess what i'm not being condemned by god if I'm being condemned, it's because I'm doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing, and God ain't condemning me. In fact, the Holy Spirit, he will sweetly convict me, and he doesn't beat me up. He helps me understand what I did wrong, right? And then we correct that, and we repent, and we move on, you know? But I'm, I'm telling you, God has given us the ability to come into his presence. We have the ability to come into the presence of almighty God, the God that created the heavens and the earth, the God that formed the universe, the God who spoke, let there be and there was that God, the one who created us. We have the ability to have a relationship with him. Now, here's the key thing. Realizing that God is a holy God, understanding that God is holy so he said, be ye holy for I am holy. Well, guess what? In and of myself, I can't be holy. But through Jesus Christ, I'm already holy. The Bible says that I am holy. Um, I'm a holy nation. I'm a peculiar people. God has birthed me for this time, for this season. And that's what's the wonderful thing. You know, God told me I'm already we're, I'm part of a holy nation. You know, the body of Christ, we're holy. And it's not because we've done anything great. It's because we accepted Jesus Christ. Think about it. Man, when Jesus Christ paid the price, and we always talk about the price, you know. But there's so much in that when I say the price. Do you realize that Jesus, yes, he was whipped. And the whipping itself was, was too much. I mean, the Bible says he took 39 stripes, 40 minus one. And, you know, when you get whipped back then, the Romans were excellent at tormenting people. They were master torturers and they tortured people. They take you within inches of death, but they torture you so they don't pull the final trigger. So the Romans had an instrument called the cat of nine tails. And that thing was laced with lead lead balls and hooks and bones and razors and so it had nine tails it was a whip with nine tails and when it hit the flesh it would literally tear the flesh apart and it would rip muscle it would go all the way down to the bone and then they would pull it out and it would pull out plugs of flesh flesh wrapped around bone flesh wrapped around um, the whip itself it was awful right and jesus took 39 of those now you do the math if he had a tail um if he had a whip and it had nine tails think about it for a minute and he got hit 39 times those nine tails times 39 will be the actual amount of times that 
the whip hit his body. Yeah, the Romans, they, um, they wielded the whip like nobody else. And when they did it, those nine tails hit. And when he pulled, that's nine separate tails. So when he got hit once, he received nine injuries, nine different injuries. The Bible says that his visage, that means his appearance, was so marred more than any man. The scripture says that they pulled his beard out of his face. They ripped his beard from his face and they spit on him and they beat him physically after they whipped him. They whipped him 39 times and each time they hit him, they pulled flesh, bone, they pulled flesh and muscle down to the bone to the point where it's worse than a third degree burn. Your nerves are in, in excruciating pain. Your nerves are reacting. Your body is suffering major injuries. And so your nerves are starting to react. And the pain is devastating. The pain is crippling. It's It hurts so much that you almost pass out, yet you don't pass out. And each time that whip hit him, that was for every sickness and every disease. Did you know that in this world, there are 39 classifications of disease? And every time Jesus took a whip, he took a whip. It was for every major classification of disease. And what I like, the revelation there is Jesus knew that under each major classification of disease, you got all those little ones. And so you see that cat of nine tails? It hit him once, right? But nine different whips hit him and pulled flesh. Guess what? Under each one of those major classifications of disease, you have all those little ones. Every stripe he took, he took for the healing of the nation. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So what about that? With his stripes, that means every time he got hit, we're healed. So what Jesus wants us to do is believe in his healing. Believe that he paid the price and apply that to our physical bodies, to our minds you know, to wherever we got injuries and believe that word. The Bible says that I'm healed by his stripes. I received my healing because Jesus got beat for me. He who knew no sin became sin that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh my goodness. He paid such a terrible price. And here's the deal that nobody really talks about. You don't hear a lot of preachers talking about this, but Jesus went through a horrific time. They beat him. He's, I mean, his, his flesh is just exposed down to the third degree, you know, where his just flesh is just bleeding. I mean, he's beat. He's starting to suffer, you know, from a, ver a version of shock. I mean, he's taking all that he can take physically. And then they make him carry his cross, the part of the cross that he had to carry. They made him carry it up Golgotha Hill. He went up the Via Della Rosa, the road to Calvary. And they hit him and they knocked him down and they mocked him and the crowd mocked him. And finally, he made it to the crucifixion site. 
And they put him on that cross. They nailed him to that cross. First, one wrist and then the other and then both feet. And he's on that cross. And he stayed there for you and he stayed there for me because Jesus told them that he told them that if he wanted to, he could summon 12 legions of angels. Do you realize that in a legion, there's a thousand angels. So 12,000 angels could have come and rescued him. One angel killed 185,000 men in the Old Testament. So 12,000 angels can do some serious damage. But Jesus, he didn't want it that way. He stayed on that cross. They put him on that cross. He couldn't breathe. Every time he wanted to breathe, he had to lift up on his feet. And his feet had a spike driven through him. So every time he lifted up, his bones would rub against that spike. And that spike would just rub against the bones in his feet and cause excruciating pain. Now he's trying to breathe. He's been beaten. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They wouldn't give him any water. They continue to mock him. And he's all by himself up on that cross. And now, to make matters worse, what happens now is that he cries out, Eli, Eli, lama sabastani, which means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, you would think, that yeah God he sees what's happening he's right there with Jesus but you got to understand something that Jesus took the sins of the world upon him he who knew no sin became sin so Jesus at that moment became sin he became a sacrificial lamb and he could not stand in the presence of an almighty God because now he had become sin he was a sacrifice and offering so now Jesus cries out for the first time why hast thou forsaken me because Jesus was sin. He took all of the sin that we've ever done, that we ever will do. Everything, our history, he took it on the cross with him. Once and for all. So he's on that cross. And he's hanging there. And he's teetering between life and death. And he's separated from the Father for the first time in history. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are separated from each other. The Son is battling for his life on the cross, knowing that surely he must die and descend into the depths of hell. And he's on that cross. And he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And at that moment, he looks, he sees that God accepts his sacrifice. And he says, it's finished. He said, into, my, into your hands, God, I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. And he died. 
And he did it for you. And he did it for me. That's what my Savior did. So let me tell you this. Because Jesus gave it all. He hung on that cross and he died and he was separated from his father. Because he gave it all. Right there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He gave it all on the hill of Golgotha. He gave everything he had just for me. And you and I both know we didn't deserve this. We know our lives were so full of sin. And you know we didn't deserve this. But Jesus took everything on himself. He took our sins away. Now, because of what he did, we don't have sins charged us. When we stand before God, God will never condemn us for our sins. God won't send us to hell for our sins. The only reason people are even going to hell is because they reject Jesus Christ, the only true gift, the Son of God, who pays such, such a terrible price. And I'm telling you, he paid an awful, awful price. They did things to him that were unspeakable. Yet he stood tall and he took it. He took it for you. He took it for me. Oh, brothers and sisters, I get so emotional when I think about what he did for us because he didn't have to do it, but he did anyway. So let me tell you this. At some point, I guess I'll finish this message. But if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, brothers and sisters, if you leave this earth, you're going to hell. You're going to bust hell wide open. I don't care if you've been baptized. I don't care if you've been up there to call yourself preaching. I don't care how many times you've been to church. It doesn't matter. If you never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you're not born again. And if you're not born again, then your spirit can't enter into heaven with Jesus. Because he will no longer let uh, spirits that's contaminated with sin enter in anymore. Since Adam sinned. And since Satan... Um, cause that rebellion in heaven there will never be sin in heaven god will make sure of that because jesus took all the sin to the cross with him so you have a choice you can accept jesus or you can accept damnation it's your choice but if you want jesus say this with your mouth say lord jesus i come to you right now i'm a sinner i need to be saved jesus you said in your word that if I would confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that I'll be saved. So, Jesus, I believe that you died for me, and I believe that God raised you from the dead. I accept you. I ask you, come into my heart and save me. I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. And I'm so grateful and thankful to you. And right now, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm born again. Brothers and sisters, if you prayed that prayer, you're a child of God. Man, the angels are excited. <laughs> They're excited. Oh, my goodness. And I'm excited and we're excited that you're a born again believer. Look, do this. 
Go to a good Bible-believing church and get you a good Bible. And it's time for you, brothers and sisters, to start this journey, this relationship with your Father. Through our Lord and Savior, through our hero, our hero, the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Until next time, this is Brother Leonard. Have a blessed and a wonderful day.